0: young Raphael Rivera this morning and pray for him we thank you God for his birth father we ask that you would be with him and give the doctors wisdom as they work with him Lord, that he might even be able to come home today we rejoice with pastor Robert and Ruth and pray father that you would encourage them father we were missing our ladies this morning and yet or at least some of them and we thank you Lord for those that they're able to build way. And Father, we ask that as they finish up this morning, Father, that you would just encourage them, Father, that they'd be able to come home, and Lord, and just be uh, encouraged, Father, to walk with you and live for you and do the things, Father, that you've laid on their hearts. And Father, as we look at your word, as we look at Galatians chapter 5 today, Father, as we talk about walking in the Spirit. We ask, Father, that your spirit might be filling us, that we might be yielding our lives to you, Father, so that you might speak to us. Father, I ask that you give me freedom, Lord, to preach your word and that our hearts might be open to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good to see you. It's a good crowd. In spite of the fact that we have around 100 ladies that are at a retreat this weekend, As we look at walking in the Spirit, I look back over the years at the number of men and women I've talked with who seriously considered giving up on their walk with God. Some gave in to the lie of Satan, others struggled, to some deep, deep struggles, and yet continued to walk with God. I can understand. Sometimes it seems that the, the Christian's walk is overwhelming. As i talk with people and hear them say, I, Pastor Ralph, I, I did it again. I, I, I fell again. There are times that we want to quit and give up. And yet, praise be God, the Spirit lives within us. We need to be reminded this morning that the demands of a Christian life are difficult, if not overwhelming and impossible on our own we need to remember this morning that it's through the spirit that we're able to walk that life today as we look again in our series on the holy spirit we look at galatians chapter 5 if you haven't already turned there galatians chapter 5 verses 13 through 26 we'll be looking at walking by the spirit walking in the spirit And we see that as we walk in the Spirit, we don't give in to the desires of the flesh. years ago, it's been many, many years as a freshman at Southeastern Bible College in Birmingham, but one of the classes that everybody had to take at Southeastern was Spiritual Life 101. It was a basic life on uh, spiritual formation, walking with God, serving Him. Dr. Alden Gannett was the president, but he insisted every... Semester that he teaches that class. It's been many, many years, around 30, I guess, or more. But I still remember Dr. Gannett walking, pacing back and forth. And he'd look at us as he was talking. He says, The spiritual life is a matter of walking. And he would say, Walk, walk by the Spirit, walk. And he would take these defined steps Walk. We're to walk. And his whole point was that in daily dependence, step by step, moment by moment, we're to look to God. We're to trust in Him. And he stressed that. It's easy for us in the midst of life to lose that mindset that it is daily, moment by moment, leaning on God and and it's easy for us to move toward works of the flesh striving to do things earlier in Galatians chapter 3 verse 3 Paul says are you so foolish? have you begun by the spirit? and are you now being perfected by the flesh? I love the way the message translates this it says how did you begin? how did your new life begin? was it by working your heads off? To please god or was it by responding to god's message to you are you going to continue in this craziness if you weren't smart enough or strong enough to begin it how do you suppose that you could perfect it i love that well this passage today galatians 5 looks again at the believers freedom that we have in christ and early in the book first half of the book Paul was confronting the Galatians about the legalism that was there, in particular circumcision, and he's reminding them that it's not by works, it's not by effort that we're sanctified. And then in, in, in this passage, and just before this, he begins talking about license, and there were those who were within the church who were beginning to say that just anything goes because we have freedom. i never forget, as a freshman and a brand new believer, about a year old in Christ, I walked over to one of the dorms on Southeastern's campus, and I was shocked to see centerfolds from Playboy scattered out throughout one of the men's dorms. As I confronted them, they said, we're free. There's two guys, they're rebellious, we're free. We have freedom in Christ. Well, of course, the administration at Southeastern Bible College didn't too much like their application of our freedom in Christ. And, of course, the pictures were torn down. One guy eventually dropped out. The other one lingered on. I'm not sure whatever happened to him. The Galatians 5.13 says that we're called to freedom, but we're not to use our freedom... It's an opportunity to flesh, for flesh. You know, today I still encounter that same mindset sometimes. Not exactly like that. But I still hear people sometimes say, Pastor Ralph, I have freedom. I can go watch some of these vulgar movies with explicit sex scenes and language that is bad. Well, let's look briefly then, what is our Christian freedom and what is not? First, our freedom in Christ is not freedom to indulge in the flesh. And I want to define flesh here. It's not our physical body. It's more than our body. It's that part of us that does not want to obey God. It's our corrupt nature. Are we free? Are we free with no restraints and no restrictions? Is God's word clear that with freedom comes responsibility. We're free from sin, but not free to sin. Get that again. We're free from sin, but we're not free to sin. Before coming to Christ, we were slaves to sin. And we were not able not to sin because we were slaves. But once we've come to Christ, we're set free and we have a choice. We no longer are slaves. We're free. So first then, freedom that we have in Christ Jesus is not freedom to indulge the flesh. Secondly, in verses 13, 14, 15, freedom It's not freedom to abuse or to exploit my neighbor. Verse 13 through 15 reads, Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word or commandment. You shall love the Lord your God. I'm sorry, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. We're free. We're free in Christ to love. We're free to love and to serve rather than exploiting and abusing. Well, thirdly, this freedom is not freedom to disregard the law. Galatians 5.14 says, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. Again, love your neighbor as yourself. But Paul here is not talking about, um, when he says that we've been set free from the law, he's talking about our relationship with Jesus Christ. He's saying that we can't come to God and be justified through the law. It's through faith in Jesus Christ. We'll see later on that we can't just disregard the law. We're seeing what freedom is not. It's not freedom to indulge in the flesh. It's not freedom to exploit our neighbor. And thirdly, it's not freedom to disregard the law. Let's look then at our freedom in Christ and see what it is. Throughout the book of Galatians, in particular in this passage, we see the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit in Galatians 5.16, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 5.18, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And 5.25, if we live by the Spirit... Let us also walk by the Spirit." We know that we come to Christ because the Spirit of God convicted us. We know that it's the Spirit of God who converted us. We know that when we come to Christ that the Spirit of God indwells us. It's the Spirit who seals us for eternity. It's the Spirit who prays for us when we don't know how to pray. It's the Spirit even who sends friends to encourage us or to confront us. You see, we need the Spirit in our lives. We can't overcome the flesh in our own strength. Only the Spirit of God can overcome it and give us victory. We all struggle in different ways. Some of us come in this morning and... And our struggles are fears and anxiety. Others of us struggle struggle sexually with pornography. Others it's just relationships. Sometimes it's jobs. Sometimes it's family. Sometimes I've had people come and say, Pastor, it's my family. It's my family. The truth is, is much of our struggles is because of our flesh. and by the flesh, again, I'm not talking about a physical flesh, but that part of me and you that seeks to go against God. What well, we see in these verses is that we're to walk by the Spirit. To be led by the Spirit. We have freedom as we yield our lives to the Spirit. He enables us, one, to overcome the flesh, to overcome sin. And secondly, enables us to fulfill the law of love. And thirdly, he enables us to produce through the Spirit. Well, first, he enables us to overcome sin and self. Again, Galatians five sixteen: walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Easy enough said to walk. And the word here, walk, is translated, keep on continually walking. Just like Dr. Gannett said in my class, walk, walk, keep on walking. But how does this happen? How, how does the Spirit work? He doesn't work in a vacuum. I think one thing that has to happen if we're to walk with God is we're to be in the Word studying it. If we study God's word, it fills our hearts and minds. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And as God's word dwells in us richly, it dominates our thinking. And secondly, if we're to walk with God, we need to be praying. We develop that close, intimate relationship with God who recognizes his voice as he quickens us, as he cries out to us. There's no eradication of sin, a wish. There's no perfectionism that's taught in God's word. It's it's not easy. It's daily, moment by moment, yielding to the spirit of God. It doesn't get easy. I still remember as a new believer and I'd see Dr. Gannett in front of the class talking or look at my pastor who had been walking with God for years. I used to think, it's easy. I'm going to get there. It'd be easy. But it's not. Sure, we learn things. We learn to walk with God. But it takes a dependence. Jesus Christ depended on the Spirit of God. He's fully man, yet fully God. If he needed the Spirit, surely we do. Jesus was led. He he led a, a sinless, holy life. Hebrews 9 says, by the Spirit. He was anointed for ministry by the Spirit of God. The Spirit led him to choose the 12 disciples. The Spirit empowered him to perform miracles. The Spirit raised Christ from the dead. Again, if Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man, needed to depend on the Spirit of God, then so did we. I think back... Just a few years ago to when I was in high school on the football team, my first year I weighed 150 pounds. I didn't start off. I don't think I even played the first year. I felt like sometimes that I was pretty much a live dummy to let these 250-pound guards and tackles smash into me. I sat on the bench. I sat on the bench. Ladies and gentlemen, in our walk with the Lord, there's no sitting on a bench. There's no sitting on a bench. Yes, the work of the Spirit is that which enables us to live a godly life. Just as the work of our salvation was done by Jesus Christ on the cross. And yet, our will, your will, is active and commitment is called for. There's an active tension that we struggle with between divine enablement and human choice. Divine enablement and human choice. But as we allow the Spirit of God to control us, He gradually frees us from sin and from that bondage of sin. So, first, as we yield to the Spirit of God, He enables us to resist our flesh to resist sin. Secondly, the Spirit enables us to fulfill the law of love. Verse 18 says we're not under the law if we're led by the Spirit. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, For for the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, or any other commandment commandment, or summed up in the commandment, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Of course, Matthew 22, where the Pharisees ask Christ about the greatest commandment, and he says you to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And secondly, to love your neighbor as yourself. Did not Paul say in Galatians 3.10, For all who rely on works of the law are under curse. If we rely on the works of the law were under curse. The law needs to be kept in its place. There are different uses for the law. First, the law drives us to Jesus Christ. The law shows us that we can't be justified by trying to keep the law. It shows us our sin. Once we've trusted Christ, once we have, have been born again, we're right with God, then the law can show us how to live, Jesus Christ said, If you love me, you keep my commandments. The spirit can use His law to sanctify us. I think one can maybe illustrate the different uses of the law with ice skates. Take a pair of ice skates who who who, who, who does ice skating? Anybody ice skate? Several of you yeah. I didn't do much ice skating in Alabama. They didn't have frozen ponds. But I've seen them, and I have put them on at Camp Oana. And I've used them a little bit. Ice skates are a hard way to get around on that asphalt out there. They doesn't work very well. Or go to a field full of grass. Ice skates don't work. Do they? But take those ice skates and put them on an ice rink or go to a frozen pond or a lake, man, you glide along. You glide along. That's kind of the way the law is. Once we have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, once we're saved, the law becomes those gates and we glide along as we walk with the Lord. So we need to remember the purpose of the law. We're free now from the law, but the Spirit uses the law to help guide us. What happens, I'm sorry, what helps us to live a holy life is not simply that outward constraint of the law, but it's the inward Spirit living within us that as we yield to Him, that guides us. Well, Christian freedom, first, enables us to overcome sin. Secondly, enables us to fulfill the law of love. And thirdly, the Spirit enables us to produce fruit. In verses 19 through 25, we see the contrast between the works of the flesh on one hand and the fruit of the Spirit on the other I think we can divide, first if we look at the, the, the works of the flesh, we can divide the, the works of the flesh into four different realms or four different areas. Sexual realm, religious realm, social or relational realm, and then an area there dealing with alcohol. Let's look at, at 5, 19 through 21 and uh, read those works of the flesh. It says, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage or fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, orgies. And things like these. And then Paul adds, I warn you, as I've warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. As you look at that list there of works by the flesh, it doesn't look very good, does it? That's a picture of you and me when we're not yielded to the Spirit of God. At least that's what we can become. As we look at these, some of these different vices or different um, works overlap. Sometimes they're not a a real clear uh, definition between, a differentiation between the two. Sexual immorality sometimes is used for fornication. It's a general term, though, for sexual sin. Impurity is that unnatural vice. Indecency. Defilement and filthiness. And sensuality emphasizes a lack of restraint, uh, unbridled passion of sexual license. It, It kind of throws off all restraint and flaunts itself. Pornography would be part of that. Some people today, as we look around, are deceived into thinking that their sexual expressions and passions are equivalent to fellowship with the Spirit of God. This past Wednesday... The Chicago Tribune had a picture, I just happened to see it, it mentioned pastor. So probably a section, about four by six, front page, picture of the pastor. Followed through it to page eight, one entire full page of the Tribune talking about this guy. The Tribune says that the pastor would tell women, to go into the back room and get undressed. Then he would join them. And Then in his one-on-one sessions, he would encourage them to touch him, and he would touch them. And the pastor had the audacity to say that this was prayer. He called it light therapy, L-I-G-H-T. And he was adamant that this Therapy cured everything, from drug addictions to yeast infections. Men and women, teenagers, this was Wednesday, Wednesday. The Tribune. The works of the flesh. Sometimes we're blinded to truth. The works of the flesh involve the sexual realm, but secondly, it involves the realm of religion. It's that refusal to worship the one true God. Idolatry, that's that blatant worship, blatant worship of other gods. Sorcery or magic is that tampering with the powers of evil. And third. Is a realm of society. And this is, again, those relationships. It affects the relationships within the church and within our families. And, and here's where they really kind of, they're not clearly defined because they involve so much. But you, you see hatred. You see fits of anger or uncontrolled temper. Jealousy. In other words, self-glorification. Desires for that. And envy. Desiring what others have. Rivalries, that selfish ambitions, temper tantrums, dissensions and divisions and strife. Finally, is a realm of alcohol, wild parties and orgies. And then it says, and things like this, meaning that this is not a complete list of all that our flesh can do. It seems more and more we see all this strife and this anger and this. This enmity in our culture. We see it especially in driving on the streets or on the expressways. 75 year old J.C. King was upset with 41 year old Raymond, uh, Larry uh, Rame. He honked his horn at him for blocking, who'd blocked, blocked the traffic and he blocked, blew the horn. And when Rame got off the expressway, this guy followed him because he blew the horn at him. He first, he threw his prescription bottle at him. And then, he took his 1992 Mercury and ran into this guy's knees. In Tony Potomac, Maryland, Robin Ficker, an attorney and an ex-state legislator, knocked the glasses off a pregnant woman after she had had the nerve to ask him why he bumped her in his Jeep. Well, major study done in 2006, and this is, this is, you know, five years old, so we know it's gotten worse just by by experience. But in 2006, a study by AAA showed that the rate of aggressive driving had risen by 51%. In those cases studied, 37% of offenders used firearms. An additional 28% used other weapons, I'm assuming maybe knives or whatever. And 35% use their cars. We see the works of the flesh in the lives of people that are not restrained by the Spirit of God. In verse 21, we see a warning. It says, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And again here, this is not talking about uh, an occasional fall, but this is talking about a habitual lifestyle. We've talked here from the pulpit about sometimes people go through their entire lives, and they say they've trusted Christ, but there's never been a change in their lives. And Paul here is warning them. He's saying, "If this is a practice in your life, then you need to reconsider whether you are born again." All these things are produced by the flesh. We don't overcome our flesh by our own efforts. There's a war. The flesh against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. Ephesians 6, 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil. Well, the Holy Spirit enables us to say no to the desires of the flesh. It's one thing to overcome the flesh and not do evil things, but it's another thing to produce fruit. Now, the legalist might be able to say, I haven't committed adultery or murder, but he's not thinking about Matthew 5, where it says that if you've looked on a woman with lust that you have committed adultery and down the line. But it's one thing maybe enough flesh to hold back on some of that restraint there, and, and yet it's another thing to produce fruit. A machine works in a factory, and it makes a product. But machines can't produce fruit. See, fruit is produced by life. In our lives, as believers, the Spirit of God is that life that produces fruit. We think of work, we think of striving, we think of, of labor and strain and toil. We think of fruit and we think of something, I think of a beautiful apple or a nectarine. They're beautiful. Again, I grew up on a farm. In My farm, my, my dad's farm, not mine. We had peach trees, we had apple trees, we had pecan trees, we had uh, Five or six different kind of trees. We didn't have to do a whole lot to those trees to produce. They just naturally produced fruit. They just naturally produced fruit. The Spirit of God lives within us. And we're yielded to Him. We're going to just naturally produce fruit of the Spirit. Left that long list of sins produced by the flesh, we see in verses 22 through 24, the fruit of the Spirit. If you will look, look at it with me, verse 22 through 24 of chapter 5, Galatians. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace, patience and kindness, faithfulness and gentleness, self-control against such things there is no law. For those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. As we see these fruits, I think we can maybe divide them up into three areas. Not Nothing from from God, but just as I've I've looked at things, looked at the word and and some commentaries, we could divide them into three areas, Um, virtues related to God, virtues related to man, to our fellow men, and then things dealing with our own self. First is love, joy, and peace, which is Godward. We know that none of us have love except for the fact that Christ poured his love out in us. Of course, our love should be go from beyond ourselves to others. Secondly is joy. Joy, again, is not happiness. It's not based on circumstances. Nehemiah 8.10 says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And thirdly is peace. Romans 5.1 says we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're at once without peace, and now we have peace. In Christ, in John 14, when he, just before he left, he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. So first, love, joy, and peace. And again, these should be outward toward others also. Second area is relationships with people. We see patience, kindness, and goodness. I think those are pretty clear there. Patience is that persistence in the midst of, of struggles. Kindness is a disposition toward others. And goodness, goodness is those words and deeds that we perform. And my only thoughts when I think about the, this area here is the contrast between patience and kindness and goodness with hatred and anger and jealousy and discord and strife. The fruit of the Spirit is a list of virtues rather than a list of rules. final grouping here is for ourselves. We're to be faithful. It's kind of like character things. We're to be faithful means reliable, loyal, dependable. We can be counted on, responsible, gentle. We should be gentle humble, meek, self-control, being able to restrain ourselves. J.I. Packer says that holiness is that naturalness of the risen man spiritually, just as sin is the naturalness of the dead man. And in pursuing holiness by obeying God, the Christian actually follows the deepest Root desires within. Philippians 2 12 and 13 says, Work out your own salvation. Again, not work for your salvation, but work out your salvation. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to want. Again, we see the Spirit enabling us, the Spirit enabling us, giving us a desire. To do those things. Second Peter one says that his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. Well, Galatians five twenty-five summarizes again our need for the Spirit. He says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. And literally it means that we walk and step. We walk and step with the Spirit. We follow along His leading. If we're walking alongside the Spirit, we'll follow Him. We'll obey Him. And if we walk with Him, He enables us. He enables us to live that Christian life that's impossible without Him. He enables us to overcome the desires of the flesh, to not sin, he enables us to fulfill the law of love. He enables us to produce the fruit of the Spirit. Remember that God's in the midst of changing our lives. I read somewhere about it where a man said, you know, as I grow older, I'm looking more and more like my father. And I've had people tell me, Ralph, you look like your dad. You look like your dad. If I wanted to, I couldn't make myself look like God, or rather like my dad. And you and I can't make ourselves look like God. But as we yield our lives to the Spirit of God, He changes us, He transforms us because He leads us. And just like that DNA in my own body is there. You know, I'm I'm going to look like my dad because the DNA is there. If you and I today know Jesus Christ, the Savior and Lord, if we yield to him, he's going to change us. And we're going to be transformed into likeness of Jesus Christ. Francis Chan, in his book, Forgotten God, ask several questions I think that we can ask ourselves as we think about walking with the Spirit. He says, do you listen to the Holy Spirit as you stand in line at the post office? Perhaps he's asking you to begin a conversation with that older lady in front of you. Do you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you when you're making out your budget? Maybe he'll direct you to allocate monies in a different way than you would. Thirdly, he says, Do you submit to the Spirit as you spend time with your family? Oftentimes, families are the most difficult to love, and we need the Spirit to help us love them. Living by the Spirit. Living by the Spirit. If we're walking with the Spirit, we will not fulfill the flesh. We will fulfill the law of love, loving our neighbor. We will be filled. As we are filled with the Spirit, rather, we will produce those fruit. Remember, it's habitual. It's a habit active interaction well let's pray our gracious father we thank you that your spirit lives within us father we look back on our lives before Christ and father I know for myself those works of the flesh were there in abundance Father, I thank you that you're in the process of changing me and each of us here who know you personally. And, Father, we ask, God, you continue that. Father, help us to yield our lives to you. Lord, to submit to your authority. Father, help us to walk in step with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.